Welcome everybody to Hidden Guardians Podcast, your only podcast host by actual Hidden Guardians. Today, we are going over the upcoming sandbox changes, the ability, uh, exotic changes, things like that, that are coming with season 23, which when you hear this, will be out. There's going to be more stuff, most likely, in the full patch notes. We're going over all the bigger things that you'll see here, as well as just, you know, giving our general thoughts about stuff. Additionally, we have the seasonal artifact list, so we know everything that's on it. We're going to go through that too, and just sit back and, you know, enjoy our melodious sounds as we talk about Destiny <laughs> 2. Yay. Yes, we are quite melodious. <laughs> that's, a, that's a word for it. Um, I like so, it. Yeah. So let's start this off, then. Uh, let's see. It says, new artifact, who dis? Uh, the seasonal artifact this time is called the Queen's Foil Sensor. And sensor as in a thing that you swing back and forth for a religious ceremony. Uh, you see them used in Catholic churches a lot, for those that are Catholic. And it spreads uh, incense around. That's what a sensor is. Uh, the design of it looks kind of neat. It's like Awoken slash Ahamkara teeth sticking out of it. It's kind of bizarre looking. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. At it. Uh, but yeah, that's the artifact. And what we got on the artifact is as follows in column one, because you know it's broken up into five columns. Column one is your anti-champion stuff, so we're going to get anti-champion, anti-barrier sidearm. Unstoppable hand cannon, unstoppable bow, overload auto rifles, and overload pulse rifles. I wish it was kind of overload bow and unstoppable auto rifle, but that's just me. Um, yeah, that's fine. Anti barrier sidearm. I I don't know about that though. Yeah. Uh, the 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 exotic sidearm that came from 30th anniversary. That runs on special ammo. Forerunner. Yeah, the forerunner. It's going to probably blow through shields very oh, yeah. quickly. <laughs> so, you know, you'll see that. Column two, we have Flame, Fiber, and Freeze. It's going to combine Solar Strand and Solar Stasis Siphon mods into one. Kindling Trigger where Radiant causes solar weapons to apply Scorch to unscorched combatants. When we talked about the exotic weapons that are kind of getting changed around next season, I look at this and I keep thinking Vex Mythoclass. Mm -hmm. You know, it just... The, as you're going to see later in here, there's so many ways to get Radiant. This... I offhandedly mentioned this is going to be like fire and ice for the mm -hmm. artifact. And it, no, it's just like all fire, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lots of fire. And, yeah, lots of solar. And I, I lots of radiant. And I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, well, Vex class is probably going to rip ass through this entire season. I, that, that weapon with Scorch on it? Oh, God. You know, it's, it's, it, and there's other things that it's going to make it far more powerful. Uh, we got blast radius, where rapid final blows with rocket launchers and grenade launchers grant armor charges. Okay, 
origin specialization perk. This one improves benefits of sundering, nano munitions, and nano tracer rockets. Additionally, these weapons are always overcharged. Lastly, in column two, from whence you came, increases ability damage to taken and scorned combatants. Ah, so we at least now know it's taken and scorned combatants that are going to be the stars of the season. And probably the dungeon, I would assume. Probably the dungeon as well. Column three, we have the Flint Striker. Rapid Solar Weapons Precision Hits and Rapid Solar Weapon Final Blows Grant Radiant. Hmm. Wow. With Kindling Trigger, Radiant causes solar weapons to apply scorch. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be very amusing. That's kind of easy to see <laughs> some builds already without even looking at weapons or anything like of what's going to yeah. be good to run next season. Yeah. I, I'm just, I, I know I'm just stuck on the Vex Mythoclass because it is a very good gun, especially if you have the catalyst to it and all the other improvements that they're doing to it coming next season, like with, with the uh, with linear fusion mode to mm -hmm. like bonkers amounts of damage to champions and bosses. It's going to be great. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Torch. While Radiant, deal increased weapon damage to combatants affected by strand and stasis debuffs. Terrific. So, yeah. Uh, you could be... Yeah, it's... it's You could be a strand class running Flint Striker with a kindling trigger weapon and Torch and just suspending things and just burning them to death. With your solar weapons. It's it's going to be silly, folks. Uh, Heart of the Flame. Casting your solar super grants nearby allies radiant and increases the damage of your super for each nearby ally. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> you, you cast a golden gun using the Celestial Nighthawk and you have five people surrounding you in a raid, um, they're all now Radiant, and you're now doing even more damage? I'd be kind of curious to see what some damage testing is going to look like with that perk, With like if you are doing that. Well, it said Imagine it increased damage of your super for each nearby ally. You have five people standing next to you. I want to see what that's going to raise it to, because something like Nighthawk is already times six. Uh, Star Eater Scales. There's another one. Yeah, I know I'm talking uh, Hunters. Ima I mean, imagine you're running either Celestial Nighthawk or the Pyro Gale Gauntlets for a Titan, and yeah, everybody uh, is using either either one of those, and you have this on. Like, everybody has this on. That'd be insane uh, damage to something that's already got some pretty hefty damage to it. Yeah, and I think there's something a little bit later on that's also going to improve the amount of damage being done as well. Uh, I think in column four. Um, let's see, Origin Perk Specialization 2, same thing as Specialization 1, except Noble Deeds, Unsatiated Hunger, Head Rush, and Dragon's Vengeance. 
And those weapons are also overcharged. Dragon's Vengeance, I think, is the new one this season for the seasonal weapons. Do we know what that does yet, or no? No. Okay. So I wasn't sure if that was something they had already talked about. No, I, I, if they released if they released it as a um, D2 community teams post on Twitter, I haven't seen it. But, you know, it's... It's not like we have a long time to wait. We're going to find out in yeah. 48 hours at the you time know. of this recording. So. Yeah. Uh, wished into being. While your super is nearly fully charged, ability final blows spawn orbs of power. Wearing season of the wish armor decreases super amount threshold. This is the first time I've seen wearing the seasonal armor gives you a benefit to a mod. Yeah, and it's it feels like the first time we've seen really much of anything with like a set type of bonus and is it like all of D2? Because we've had the weird armor mods, so I can't remember if there's been anything that's given us set bonuses like this before, but I, I am a big fan of this. The only thing that I've ever gotten set bonuses from uh, in D2, what I would consider set bonuses, oh, was uh, Gambit. Gambit Prime. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Uh, so this is interesting. It's a nice little thing. I want to know, do you have to wear a full set of the armor or just one piece to get the benefit? Or is it like it one piece gives you so much and all the pieces give you the maximum amount? I'm kind of curious. People will test that. Yeah, I hope it goes up one at a time so you can get you can still get the bonus. You can get a small bonus with just wearing one piece. Yeah, then it's easy what to I, just use the class item. Yeah, and what I like about this compared to other seasonal armor is I mean, I guess we don't know what the seasonal armor itself is going to have for anything, but like a lot of the stuff we've had with seasonal armor has just like you get more engrams to drop at the end of something, or like with Season of the Witch, you would you'd have a higher chance to get more of the the I don't even know what to call them the things that you use in Alters of Summoning. Yeah, I know what you mean. And to be able to have armor, at least in a mod aspect on this, where it's more than just something that you're eventually going to fill up on anyways. And it's kind of unnecessary. Um, I, I'm actually... I, I like that mod. Yeah. yeah. It, more incentive nice... to wear seasonal armor and kind of care about it a little more. Yeah, because there was no reason to prior. Oh, you get more uh, tributes for the altars of uh, summoning. So mm. I get those, like... They drop, like, water anyways at the end yeah, of the Yeah, they, they drop everywhere. So it's like no big deal, but th yeah, this will be interesting to see. And there's another one on column four. So uh, let's see. We have unraveling orbs. Start of column four. Picking up an orb of power grants strand weapons unraveling rounds. That's always fun. Uh, like color of ice. Hey, look, we finally really got hey! this related. Stasis! <laughs> uh, killing an encased combatant spawns stasis crystals. 
You know, the crystals are the things that are stationary in the ground, not the shards which you collect to get back ability whatever's mm -hmm. to your stasis class. So, you know, killing an encased combatant, which means I guess they're frozen in place, turns them into a stasis crystal. Cool. Uh, revitalizing Blast. Causing damage with a solar ability weakens champions and bosses for a short duration. Uh, Jesus, what were we yeah. talking about with the <laughs> combining all these things? So somebody throws a uh, warlock uses their melee attack, hunter uses their melee attack, titan uses their solar melee attack, does ability damage, or even a grenade. And next thing you know, then they all use their supers all next to each other. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Can't Making wait to see this uh, on that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of very simple um build crafting you can do through this artifact and it's yeah. I hope it's actually <laughs> fun to use <laughs> yeah, everybody's gonna be solar classes pretty much uh um, oh yeah overload rocket launchers Woo! i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> i hope the splash damage actually does it and you don't have to get a direct hit because teleporting captains and minotaurs are going to be a nightmare to try to hit with a rocket that doesn't track i feel like this is something that dragon's breath could be good at if it is like the aoe yeah, because if you shoot it on the ground, and I mean, I obviously they have to stay within the the pool of fire, but that could mm -hmm. that could be a pretty good use of dragon's breath. I'm maybe still very excited for dragon's breath. Uh, maybe cluster bombs too. Oh yeah, that could be good. I oh, kind of forgot. Okay. I kind of forgot cluster uh, bombs existed. <laughs> I, I, I'm also well, uh, thinking of lasting impression. You shoot it somewhere into the ground and the thing walks over it and it detonates mm -hmm. maybe i don't know we'll see uh here's the other one for the the armor the seasonal armor dragon's bite breaking a combatant shield with a strand or stasis weapon has a chance to suspend or freeze that combatant wearing Whoa. season of the wish armor increases this chance oh dude The incentive this season already to wear the armor is kind of wild. Granted, you have to get quite a ways into the artifact for it to be like super worth, and we don't know what the other like what the other bonus is for the armor that's just on its own. But and you can only choose twelve things in your artifact. Yeah. You know, so God damn. at least they're all passive now. Uh, yeah, this is this. I want to. I want to know what the percentage increase is to wearing the armor to get that effect to go off but stranded stasis weapons out of nowhere suspending or freezing people is going to be cool i like that a lot yeah uh column five this is normally the big one big boy this is the one where you, you only get like one or two depending on how you you do your artifact uh, yeah. The first one is Horde Shuttle. Damaging unraveled targets with a weapon occasionally spawns a threadling. Okay. The one right uh, in column four at the, at the top of it, remember, is unraveling orbs, where picking up an orb of power grants strand weapons unraveling rounds. 
again, like the very basic build crafting you're able to do with this artifact is kind of wild. Yeah, it just on my um, Threadling Warlock alone, those two are going to be like right in there as and with the Dragon's Bite perk too, you know. Well, I, I'm going to stop us for one second here. For When you have loadouts, I honestly, I have not used loadouts very much um, since they came in. Mm-hmm. Can you have different loadouts have different artifact mods, or do you have to shift yeah. the artifact mods around? No. They can have different mods. Okay, that's dope. I'm, I'm almost 100% certain they can have different mods. I need because to try that's and part of your loadout. Yeah. I know who knows. Google knows. <laughs> oh, can we continue on while you're looking? Yes, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, let's see. Hail of the Storm. Here's another stasis one for you in column five. Shattering encased targets and stasis crystals deals increased damage. Shattering a stasis crystal releases shards of ice that damage and slow targets. Now, I've seen the Behemoth Titan produce a lot of stasis crystals. Yes. And they're in their super. And shattering that with that on is probably going to be akin to a nuclear explosion going off whatever <laughs> stuck within it. Um, yeah, that, that might be kind of interesting. Uh, rays of precision. While radiant, solar precision final blows cause combatants to ignite. That's when they go boom. Okay. I can actually see that being somewhere else in this, you know, like maybe column three or four. It didn't have to be column five. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if I would ever choose this particular one, but it's there for people that are really good at shooting. Uh, this one is going to be mandatory for anybody that's a solo player, solo operative. When you're the only member of your fire team, you deal increased damage to all combatants. That's a good one. Solo operative. Very good one. And finally, finishing up the um, artifact for the season. Argent Ordnance makes its return. Firing a rocket launcher consumes one stack of armor charge, granting increased damage and reload speed until you reload or stow your rocket launcher. Uh, Argent Ordnance used to be a just an armor mod in general. It was a charged with light mod, if I remember correctly. I wonder if that's going to be worth using, especially no. since it's that far into the artifact. We'll have to find out. You know, people will have to I guess figure it out. It could free up some slots in your arms, I suppose, but maybe. Uh, but that is the look at the lovely seasonal artifact. Season and we love it. 
<laughs> okay. Not bad. It's got some cool stuff in there. Uh, what about those ability changes, Vange? What do we got? Let's talk about some ability changes, sir. All right. Here's a preview of the coming sandbox tuning and season of the wish and beyond to set the stage. Let's lay out our overall goals for this release. Nerf. <laughs> <clears throat> That's it. It just says nerfs. We can go on to the next section. <laughs> Uh, ensuring that abilities, particularly those in our longer cooldown tiers, are meeting our intended cost to output ratio, reducing cases of player survivability that exceed our power bar. That's the nerf. Making first steps at Will of Radiance and Ward of, Dune t Ward of Dawn tuning, and taking a tuning pass on Stasis abilities with more to come in the future. So, let's get started. We've laid this out a number of times in previous posts, but this is worth repeating. We believe that powerful abilities need to come at a meaningful cost to the player to force difficult decisions about what fits best in their build. To put it plainly, we're not, we're not hitting that goal. There are many build crafting avenues that grant flat chunks of ability energy and ignore ability cooldown tiers. That gives them extremely inconsistent value depending on what grenade, melee, or class ability you have equipped. <clears throat> Excuse me, here's an example. A perk that grants 10% grenade energy on activation results in a cooldown reduction of 6.4 seconds to firebolt grenade, but results in a cooldown of cooldown reduction of 15.2 seconds for lightning grenade. When players stack these build crafting elements together, e.g. grenade kickstart, innervation, absolutionist, demolitionist, a chunk energy fragment, it results in a long cooldown abilities having uptime that is dramatically higher than what we intend for their potency level. With Season of the Wish, we're taking a first step at addressing that problem. Starting in 7.3.0, the base passive cooldown tiers for abilities will also influence the amount of chunk energy they receive from perks. For our fastest charging abilities, these things are not changing. But as we progress through the passive cooldown tiers of the slower charging abilities, that immediate burst of energy will be reduced to a floor of 50% of our of base for our slowest charging grenade and class abilities, and 60% for our slowest charging melee abilities. Here's that same example under the new system. A perk that grants a base value of 10% grenade energy on activation results in a cooldown reduction of 6.4 seconds for firebolt grenade and results in a cooldown reduction of 7.6 seconds for lightning grenade. With Season of the Wish, we are only implementing this change for grenade, melee, and class abilities. Perks that add super energy are unchanged. We're also excluding any perk that either intentionally grants a full refund, like knock them down, or targets only a single specific ability, like Shinobu's Vow. These will still work identically to their behavior in the live game. In our playtesting, this results in more of the intended variance between high and low uptime abilities and an opportunity cost that more closely matches potency. But we don't expect or desire that anyone's build is going to be made obsolete overnight by this change. We're going to keep iterating on this new system going forward, so expect future updates as we see how it plays out alongside all of you. And it's important to keep reminding yourself, you have to see how it plays out in the live game. Because yeah. I read this, and I hated it. What's coming? <laughs> no, flat out hated it. Just, just do not like what they're doing. And mm -hmm. you have to play it out in the live game. I. And seeing them saying we we haven't missed our target we've missed our target on this bro you've missed your target on this for multiple years now yeah it, it it's not even 
funny at this point that now when you're coming out with a you know when you're like one season away from your final shape you know to wrap up the saga you're now doing all this stuff come on I, I I don't I don't dig it but again you have to try it in the live game on paper I don't like how this reads mm-hmm. but moving on to staying alive uh, as our roster of player-elected difficulty, PED, activities has expanded in recent years, we've shifted the sandbox to enable more of our often risky gameplay loops to feel effective against increasingly difficult lineups of combatants. This can be seen in addition of more defense or support-focused tools, including the standardization of overshields expanded across healing through restoration and cure, and the development of keywords like woven mail. However, we still need our aspirational content to remain challenging. We're currently in a position where applying combat pressure to well-built crafted players is extremely difficult, which doesn't leave our activities teams with many options for tuning difficulty while still having things feel fair across the broad spectrum of player types. I don't know about you, but I haven't had too much of an issue with things not feeling challenging. No, I, I, I would I would say there's been there it's there's still a lot of stuff even with super build crafts that is challenging. Yeah, like I can't get through Ghosts of the Deep solo. Sorry mm-hmm. if that like makes me lesser in some people's eyes for hearing that. But this I read that this I'm sorry I'm going off here, but I, I read right. this little section about how they're running out of act, you know, ways to make things difficult. And I'm going, what is this, the reckoning all over again? Yeah. yeah no, th- th- this isn't like, you know, a couple of um, exotic armor pieces just like generating too much super and you have to build for that. This is I, I, the reckoning you needed to do it because that was the only way you could complete the mission because how much super you were getting from a handful of, you know, exotic artifact, uh, exotic armor pieces that people mm. would just slap on. And that was back in the day where there really wasn't such thing as build crafting in destiny too. Yeah. Uh, this, I don't know. I still find the content difficult at mm-hmm. times where it needs to be. And I don't get there. Well, we're running out of ways to do this. I mean, are are they talking specifically and people getting angry that they're just making things gigantic bullet sponges and overwhelming people with orange and yellow bars mm-hmm. on certain things? Is that what they're talking about? I would like more clarity on this. Um, in short... They continue, player survivability at the top end is too high. <laughs> A problem we've touched on in the past. And we need to find... So you're not dying enough, okay. Uh, we need <laughs> to find a better balance between two extremes of enabling players to heedlessly dive into the fray or making it feel like a long-range chip damage is the only option to clear an encounter. Look, if I want to play something where I'm dying a lot at the high end, I will 
from software is where I go. It's not destiny. Yeah. Um, to that end, we'll be making an initial pass at tuning some of our top end outliers. And we anticipate this will be a process that takes place over many releases. So we can ensure that things are trending in a healthy way. I don't trust them. <laughs> no, after everything that went down, I, I, have a, I don't have any uh, faith that the decisions being made that are dictating this are going to be beneficial at all. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anything after, you know, laying off, you know, 8% of your staff, 100 people. <laughs> and uh, yeah. You know, we never even actually talked about that and we're waiting to get more information about stuff and it's still is like the specter that's hanging over anything I have to read mm-hmm. regarding this game. Uh, let's see. For this pass, we're targeting a small number of subclass keywords that we believe most strongly contribute to excessive survivability. Woven Mail, Restoration, and Devour. With update 7.2.0, we took a small stab at Woven Mail's PVE damage reduction, but with 7.3.0, we're reducing it for a further 10%. While this is a relatively small change, we want to reevaluate it alongside some changes to Banner Reward that you'll read about later on before taking any larger swings. Woven Mail, reduced damage resistance versus PvE combatants from 55% to 45%. Alright. Restoration's healing rate is being reduced in both PvE and PvP, similar to Woven Mail. We want to see how this feels alongside some of the changes to Throwing Hammer and Soul Invictus further down. Restoration, reduced healing rate at restoration times one. The old version was 40 hit points per second in PvE, 20 PvP. The new is 35 at PvE and 17 and a half in PvP. Restoration times two is six old is 65 and 32.5 PvE and PvP, respectively. The new one is going to be 50 and 25, respectively. PvE and PvP. Last up is Devour, whose potency is largely due to the ease of use of Echo of Starvation's Fragment, which was initially developed when there were fewer orbs of power being generated. We're making a targeted change to Devour that excludes Voidwalkers, reducing the heal amount from 200 HP to 100 unless Feed the Void is equipped. That is the aspect for Voidwalkers. Mm-hmm. For our Void Walkers out there, we're increasing the amount of grenade energy of our defeats Grant with Feed the Void to offset some of the chunk energy changes detailed above. So, Devour. Healing amount both on activation and when refreshed is reduced from full heal to 100 HP unless Feed the Void is equipped. It now refills both health and shield sections more smoothly rather than adding health to each section separately. Feed the Void is getting increased energy regeneration per kill while Devourer is active. This amount varies based on the type of target defeated. Now also improves the strength of Devourer's heal when equipped. This is going to be an ongoing process for us, so please continue to give feedback on how things are feeling and we'll adjust accordingly as we go forward. <laughs> How about a sprint and slide melees, Vange? What what, what are they slide doing? Slide melees. 
Oh, it's not good. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read this. Sprint yeah. slide melees. <laughs> An update 3.4.0. We made the decision to remove the capability for shoulder charge abilities, <clears throat> shield bass, seismic strike, and hammer strike to one-shot enemy players. This was part of an ongoing effort to make sure that any one-shot ability in the game comes with a significant risk or cost, whether that's a significant wind-up time, a uh, thunderclap or a consecration, aim skill, flux grenade, or a specific build crafting choice, Peregrine Greaves. We believe that this is still the right call, and we want to maintain the intended level of risk for using powerful melee abilities against players. Players are currently able to circumvent this energy, but this change by sliding, firing their weapon, and being able to initiate a shoulder charge or slide melee. This results in an effective one-shot kill that is extremely difficult to track or understand if you're on the receiving end. Starting in Season of the Wish, firing your weapon while sliding will now prevent the activation of sprint or slide activated melees. We originally intended for this change to be isolated to shoulder charge abilities, but in our initial playtesting, we quickly, quickly realized that the shoulder charge was easily replaceable with Tempest Strike, Lightning Surge, or our other slide melees, so we're including them in this change as well. <clears throat> Sprint and slide activated melees can no longer be activated after the player fires their weapon during a slide. This affects the following melee abilities, Seismic Strike, Shield Bash, Hammer Strike, Howl of the Storm, Consecration, Flechette Storm, Lightning Surge, and Tempest Strike. Alongside this change, we're increasing the potency of Tempest Strike, which has felt somewhat left behind given the powerful synergy between Flow State and Lethal Current. So Tempest Strike, uh, increased base damage from 110 to 125, reworking tracking behavior to be more consistent at longer ranges, and improve consistency when traveling over rough terrain. All I'm going to say is I don't personally feel like this is a bad change. All I'm going to say is I, I don't think I'll be affected by this too much because I'm not really one doing the sprint and slide melees because my old ass reflexes have a hard time trying to pull it off. So... <laughs> Um, I feel bad for any hot, I, and I, I think this is like really PVP type change. Oh, it's, it's um, very heavily focused on PVP. Yeah. I, I feel bad for people that have the skill ability to do this. Uh, and it's like, oh, well, no, we're getting rid of this. It's like, oh, oh boy. I, I, we'll see how it plays, but you know, it feels like something's being taken away from their tool, their skill toolkit here. You know, but what can you do? Uh, this part, I, I I heard a thousand plus solar titans scream out in horror, and equally number uh, an equally large number of banner of war titans scream equally in horror when these changes hit, because it's changes to the bonk hammer and banner of war itself. With the Season of the Witch, we released Banner of War, which has quickly jumped to the top of the aspect list for our Titan players. It's currently equipped in nearly 20% of all Titan playtime for Season of the Witch PvE activities. This is rivaled only by Into the Fray at 15% of playtime, which is Banner's natural pairing. We're very happy with the way Banner of War has supported the Berserker-class fantasy and don't want to reduce its ability to do so at maximum charge. However, it's currently too easy to build up a maximum charge very quickly in content with sufficient density of combatants, especially with the help of your teammates. 
uh, with Season of the Wish, we're making a change to slow down the per, uh, charge progression, increasing the number of defeats required to level the banner up at each tier. As part of this change, we're also slightly increasing the timer extension granted by each enemy's defeated to compensate. So, Banner of War increased the number of enemy defeats necessary to level up the banner by approximately double and increasing the amount of time added per enemy defeat at each level to compensate. These values vary depending on the type of target defeated and fixed an issue where underpowered swords were being granted a damage boost by Banner of War. Uh, okay, the, the underpowered swords meaning you don't have any ammo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can understand that. They, they shouldn't be getting the damage boost. Yeah. Um. Uh, I. Okay. Uh, for everything else, I I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, as as a Titan main, I I don't really use Strand much anymore. I've been running a lot of Solar, anyways. But I, as much as this might feel like a fair change, I guess at the same time, if there's players that are good enough at maintaining the uptime they're still going to be able to maintain the uptime but it's weird that it's kind of targeted at stuff with high enemy density which is where it's going to be good <laughs> anyways <laughs> uh i don't know yeah well we'll see what happens i suppose but yeah uh, same thing with this, because uh, this is kind of one of those changes for the throwing hammer that I just kind of rolled my eyes at a little bit when I read it. <laughs> uh, so he says, let's talk bonk. Prior to Solar 3.0, throwing hammer was encoded the Devastator subclass tree, which didn't have much in the way of survivability tools other than picking up the hammer after a hit. This meant that players needed to be significantly more careful in their play and generally weren't as capable of standing in a champion's or boss's face with impunity while they chucked the hammer at its torso over and over again. While this makes for a fun visual, we don't believe that this behavior is healthy for the game, so alongside the changes to restoration detailed above, we're looking more fundamentally on how throwing hammers function. So basically, they're just going to kill the Solar Titan with survive with the restoration and doing this mm. kind of uh i'm wondering if this is because you know they were silly and created something called laurel splendor <laughs> yeah um you know maybe that wouldn't have been a problem if they, you know you couldn't just stand in a never mind uh we started this section off off talking about the relationship between potency and uptime and how the rules of the sandbox begins to break down when these don't match up for a given ability. Throwing hammer isn't currently matching up. We don't want to remove the full energy refund on pickup because the conventional gameplay loop is still really fun, but we do want to add some downtime between throws to discourage the next stand next to the boss and bonk them behavior. To that end, picking up a throwing hammer will now return its energy over a short duration rather than instantly. We're also increasing the projectile's tracking strength so that players who choose to chuck the hammer at longer ranges are more consistently rewarded for taking that risk. So, the throwing hammer, when picked up, it now returns melee energy over 1.4 seconds rather than instantly. So, 
one and a half seconds, roughly. Mm-hmm. Increased projectile tracking strength by 20%. Part of this equation is also Sol Invictus, which is the aspect, which offers reliable safe havens for sunspots. Similar, similarly to our throwing hammer charges, uh, changes, we don't want to discourage players who want to move from position to position advancing through the combat space, but we do want to make sure that players who bunker in dangerous positions, such as the feet of the boss, aren't able to do so for long. Sol Invictus, reduced maximum sunspot duration from 20 seconds to 12 seconds. This duration is only ever reached when the player is standing inside of a sunspot. Sunspot duration without the owner standing inside of it will remain unchanged at 5 seconds. Yeah, they're just trying to nerf the shit out of Solar Titans. Um, with regards to the throwing hammer waiting for it to recharge in a second and a half okay so you're now going to encourage them to throw the hammer and then fire a shotgun round and then throw the hammer and fire a shotgun round and throw the hammer and fire a shotgun round I feel like it's almost going to make um like trench barrel is going to be a bigger part of that hit now. Oh yeah. Sure. Absolutely. There's no reason now why you shouldn't put on legend of Acrius with the catalyst. Yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. I can't just stand here and bonk hammer nonstop. Well, if I find is not going to be bonk shot, bonk shot over and over again. Um, but the decreasing the sunspot when you're in it from 20 seconds to 12, Ugh. That that's just painful. Um I I see Solar Titans to compensate are gonna have healing grenades now. Yeah, I could see that. And they're they're gonna do this, but you know, this is entire they, they wanna make painful choices when it really tough choices when it comes to your build crafting. Mm-hmm. Yet at no point is your armor actually worthwhile and part of this equation once you get certain stats on it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 if you want to make my build crafting more meaningful other than just nerfing the shit out of abilities constantly, make my armor itself, and I'm not talking exotic, I'm talking basic armor, more worthwhile. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's it's just annoying. Um, oh, speaking of annoying, what about Well of Radiance and Ward of Dawn? More fun inbound. <laughs> um, with update 3.4.0, we made a change to our super cooldowns, placing Well of Radiance and Ward of Dawn in the fastest recharging tier. This decision was largely based on their kill potential versus supers that deal burst damage or allow you to roam the field for potential team wipes. The game has changed significantly since then, and with changes to Trials of Osiris, Dominion as the game mode, and short round times in general, we want to reevaluate their placement. In Season of the Wish, we're increasing their base cooldown times by one tier, matching the passive cooldowns of some of our burst supers like Blade Barrage or Chaos Reach. Our goal is for Well and Ward to have stronger competition in round-based modes, giving other players more tools to effectively deal with them under the time pressure that a mode like Dominion has. So, Well of Radiance and Ward of Dawn have 
in, they have increased the base cooldown time from 417 seconds to 455 seconds. On a longer time frame, we're evaluating well and wards place in the sandbox more fundamentally. These two supers are currently operating in too similar a space, leaving little room for them to breathe on their own. Willow Radiance in particular offers too much, and its effective and vulnerability is not something we believe the sandbox can or should continue to support. We're not making further changes to Weller Ward with Season of the Wish, but we have a suite of future changes planned to reduce Wells' dominance in PvE and push the gameplay space out of these two supers further apart. We'll provide more details on that closer to their release. Yep, that's the thing. It feels like they're trying to correct a mistake by actually creating the Ward of Dawn. Not the Ward of Dawn, I mean the Well of Radiance. Absolutely. I... Okay. <laughs> but when you keep building your encounters the same way, it's not going to matter. You're just making it more difficult for the players. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of actually trying to do something a little bit more with the encounters, like, I don't know, bosses that completely walk around instead of just standing in a in one or two spaces moving back and forth mm-hmm. that you're just shooting at nonstop for like three seconds. I, I find it less about the abilities and more about how the game itself is made. Like the overall principles behind how the game is made. And it always mm-hmm. goes back to upper management and their decisions on what they want to make the game that they give the orders to the people making it. Yeah. So. Oh, look, there's a really big stasis logo here. And uh, for those that were like, oh, they're finally going to go you know, do stuff on stasis here. Um, it's not as impressive as you hoped it, this logo size <laughs> should give away. Yeah. Uh, you see this enormous on the website, this big splash for stasis. I'm thinking, oh, here it comes. <laughs> They're going to finally, like, you know, deal with the redheaded stepchild of their, um, you know, subclasses. And it's, it's not much. Uh, let's see. This is the near and slightly farther future of stasis. A week and a half ago, Stasis turned three years old. A lot has happened in that time. We've seen massive changes in the sandbox as we released Light 3.0 subclasses. We added Strand as a fifth damage type in Lightfall. And the overall power bar for the sandbox has shifted significantly, resulting in Stasis feeling like it's been left behind. Bro, it's been left behind since after Beyond Light. No. Uh, we've been given <laughs> Stasis some tuning updates here and there, but we believe it's time to give it a bigger shot in the arm. Starting with Season 23 and continuing into the final shape, we're making some quality of life changes to improve Stasis' reliability in combat, and we're reevaluating some of our previous tuning changes for Stasis' abilities with the goal of bringing them up to current abilities' power bars. Let's start off with the Fragment Suite. For this release, we focused on the stat bonus and penalties, removing those that felt unnecessary, tweaking them to make underperforming picks a little bit more attractive, or shifting them to better suit the gameplay of the Fragment. Uh, Whisperer of Hedrons, they removed the minus 10 strength penalty. Whisperer of Impetus now provides plus 10 resilience. Whisperer of Shards no longer provides plus 10 resilience. 
Whisper of Hunger, stat penalty change from minus 10 mobility to minus 10 intellect. Minus, I'm sorry. The Whisper of Hunger stat penalty changed from minus 10 mobility and minus 10 intellect to just minus 20 strength. Oh, what? <laughs> That's odd. And Whisper of Bonds removed the minus 10 discipline penalty. For Hunters, we're making changes targeted at improving reliability of Whisper Blade in all content and Winter Shroud in PvE. Withering Blade now travels faster, has a longer lifetime, bounces additional time before expiring, and is more consistent in finding a target both before and after a bounce. Um, Withering Blade, let's see, increased projectile speed by 10%, increased maximum projectile lifetime by 10%, Increase the bounce count from two to three and increase tracking consistency. Winter Shroud is getting an update to be more forgiving against PvE combatants with a longer slow duration and increased area of effect. We're also increasing its slow stack count against PvE combatants from 40 to 60, enabling things like Six Coyote to be more easy to more easily freeze enemies or for freeze to occur more quickly after a quick dusk field dodge combo. So they're increasing the slow stacks applied to PvE combatants from 40 to 60, increasing slow duration from 4 seconds to 8 seconds, and increasing slow detonation size versus PvE combatants from 8 meters to 9 meters. Okay. Uh, some of these withering blade changes are baby steps towards moving it back to... <laughs> where it was yeah like a original launch um but it'll never get that way because it did a lot more damage and then they got rid of that and had it so you could actually get crit remember it, it used to be able to critical hit mm -hmm. and people hated that because two of them to the head somebody in pvp would kill you yeah and you could do it very quickly and around corners yeah, by bouncing, it's a little yeah. ridiculous, but... Now, these are all PvE changes. Originally, those changes also affected... were both. Now they're just doing PvE changes. Um, let's uh, keep going here, because there's a whole bunch of stasis stuff. Uh, Titans, they're walking back a few of the changes made in hotfixes 3.1.1 and 3.2.0.3 to both Shiver Strike and Glacial Quake that no longer fit the sandbox. We've returned the ability to freeze nearby players on cast with Glacial Quake with a reduced radius, making it casting it in close quarters significantly safer than its current duration. Yeah, it's like you're trying to use your super and all of a sudden you die because um, things just kind of gank you really quickly. <laughs> mm. uh, for Shiver Strike, uh, we restored its slow application to players on hit. This was removed in a world where collision damage was still lethal to players. Now the targets don't need to be able to air break with a movement mode or risk being splattered. We're more comfortable giving Shiver Strike a bit more offensive spice. Yeah, because you no longer die when you get thrown into a wall. Mm -hmm. Or hit the ground. Um, Shiver Strike now slows a player on hit. Behavior previously removed. Fixed an issue where Shiver Strike would not function with melee kickstart armor mod. 
but that mod has also been changed as you'll see later or, or that was last week i don't remember now the armor mod changes are at the bottom yeah the, the kickstart mods have all been changed so um let's see glacial quake now freezes nearby players on cast a behavior previously removed and on cast freeze impulse size versus players has been reduced from eight meters to six meters okay we're implementing a change to improve how the storm's consistency against players because seeing a target touched a state touching a stasis crystal Created by Hal and not being frozen was frustrating experience. So they're fixing an issue where Hal of the Storm was not consistently freezing targets in contact with the created stasis crystal. All right. Any of these changes make you want to slap on a be a behemoth here, Venge? No, I don't enjoy behemoth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Bam because uh, he's the only one that I've seen him use Behemoth more frequently. But, you know, there it is, you know, at least amongst us, uh, this does not move the needle in making me nor Vange want to put on this subclass. Yeah. Uh, for Warlocks, we're making a couple of quality of life improvements to Frost Pulse and Prenumbral Blast. Shadebinder is a strong pick already. No shit. And we feel like it <laughs> don't need it needs much of a push. So we're focusing on areas where it can sometimes fail the reliability test. Frost Pulse area of effect is being increased against PvE combatants, and we've improved its network performance. So it's being significantly increased consistency against fast moving targets. The change involved we're working how its ability applies freeze to targets, reducing the latency between when the ability is activated and when the target is actually frozen. The freeze detonation side versus PV combatants increased from eight to eight and a half meters. I don't know if you're actually going to notice that 0.5 of a meter. Yeah, that feels, that feels like it's pretty minute change, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. The, the, the thing with the trying to track fast moving things going through where that would transpire though that's a good thing that's mm -hmm. a very good thing uh let's see penumbral blast which is the melee attack is intended to be a skill shot with a high payout but the change made in hotfix 3203 to reduce its detonation size when impacting the environment can sometimes make it feel too in inconsistent yeah it does with update 730, we're increasing that detonation size by 33% to increase its ease of use. So there you go. Detonation size when impacting the environment is going up from 1.5 meters to 2 meters. Okay. <laughs> no, that's... No, it, this one, I hope, feels a little bit better because if you miss, you know, the shot with it, you've, you've whiffed horribly. Mm -hmm. and you're going to pay for it. Yeah. This gives a little bit more, uh, you can fire it closer to the enemy's feet and probably catch them with it. Uh, Shadebinders will also directly benefit from a tuning change being made to Glacier Grenade. Currently, Bleak Watcher's cooldown is directly tied to the base cooldown of Glacier Grenade, regardless of what grenade you have equipped. 
With update 730, glacier grenades cooldown is being reduced, which will also translate to lower bleak watcher cooldowns. So glacier grenades reduced base cooldown time from 152 seconds is going down to 121 seconds. Cooldown penalties for Dustfield Grenade and Cold Snap Grenade when Bleak Watcher is equipped have also been updated, so that their cooldown times now match the new Glacier Grenade cooldown time. While Cold Snap Grenade's reliability mm. has significantly improved in our recent passes, there are still instances where it can fail to meet expectations, so we're also making further tweaks. Cold Snap Grenade, they're fixing an issue where the Seeker was not consistently created in the direction that the projectile was moving after a bounce. Increased arming shape size from 0.9 of a meter to 1.4 meters. And tracking strength now ramps up to full strength over to zero over the course of the grenade's lifetime rather than immediately turning off after the seeker had reached 0.5 seconds of lifetime. I think they've made Bleak Watcher uh, Shade Binders more lethal. <laughs> yeah, that I, that is kind of a wild change to me for that Bleak Watcher stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to try that one out. Uh, so they're also saying they're increasing the bonus damage that special weapons deal to frozen targets by a small amount to make shattering enemies feel more consistent. So Freeze... Increased special ammo weapon damage bonus versus frozen targets from 5 to 10%. These aren't the only changes for stasis we have in the works, and we have some long-requested changes for future release that we'll discuss once they're closer. Here's a quick sneak preview. A new stasis keyword we're tentatively calling Frost Armor, aimed at addressing some of the player feedback regarding survivability when running stasis, particularly when not using Whisper of Rhyme or Whisper of Chains. Additional tuning changes and reworks to existing stasis fragments. Additional behavior to harvest aspects. Uh, tune in next week for a full list of patch notes, which will include items we, a few items we didn't mention here. As always, we'll continue to digest feedback coming in, so please keep it coming. Uh, yeah, overall, the stasis changes are kind of like, eh, for this... Some of them are like, yeah, I'll have to see. I'm not excited about the, you know, uh, Withering Blade changes or the Winter Shroud changes for Hunters. That doesn't really make me want to do it. Titan stuff, we both talked about how it doesn't move the needle for us at all. Um, Penumbra Blast stuff, okay, that's cool. Hey, uh, reduced base cool time for Glacier Grenade to 121 seconds. Oh, that also affects your Bleak Watchers? Yeah, I have a boner. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my one of the classes that I run when I do Grandmaster Nightfalls, if I'm not running a Well of Radiance Phoenix Protocol Warlock, I am running a Bleak Watcher Shade Binder. Yeah, with Osmiomancy Gauntlets on it. Being able to chuck more of these things might be beneficial, but with all the changes that they're doing to various armor mods that we're going to be covering very shortly uh, after we talk about the exotic armor changes, yeah, uh, 
we'll see how it plays out. Am I still going to be able to put down about four Bleak Watcher turrets within the span of 30 seconds? We'll see. We shall see. But what about those exotic armor chains? All right. Coming? Got a big section here. So it's time for another set of exotic armor balance changes. We once again wanted to buff some underused exotics. The particular focus this time on broadening the number of viable melee-oriented exotic options for all three classes. We also wanted to improve the least the two least popular Aeon cult sects, with the goal that running a team of Aeon would pro provide a more value in high-end PvE play. We also snuck in a few miscellaneous changes that we feel improve the armor sandbox. Here are the details broken down by class. Please note that unless otherwise specified, the following changes leave the rest of the exotics benefit intact. Starting with Hunters. Shards of Galanor. Throwing that kills now grants super energy ranging between 2.5% and 5% depending on the type of enemy killed. I, I think that's actually a good change. Yes, because uh, depending on your build, you're throwing knives nonstop, especially with Fiend of Blades. Where you throw yeah. three at a time. If you kill, it refreshes your um, uh, melee charge instantly, and it speeds uh, also, up that cooldown. Yeah, so you're you're gonna, yeah, you'll get. Uh, Ophidius Faith knife kills now grant a stacking damage bonus: thirty percent, sixty percent, hundred percent for five seconds on to throwing knives. Dodging refreshes the duration, and yes, yeah, so that thirty, sixty, hundred is based on. You know, the amount of kills you get. Mm -hmm. uh, stompies. <laughs> okay. Feedback about the previous Stompies change indicated that requiring full class ability made movement while wearing this exotic field too variable between its states and disproportionately hurt certain builds. In this update, we have removed the requirement of having a full dodge energy to activate the benefits and have reduced the bonus to airborne lateral acceleration that the exotic provides to be more in line with its other bonuses. I use sprint speed, grounded acceleration, airborne vertical acceleration, slide distance, and jump height in terms of effectiveness. We also added damage resistance while airborne and PvE to make Stompies a more desirable option outside of the Crucible and jumping puzzles. So they've removed requirement to have full class ability energy to benefit from the movement bonuses, reduced the airborne lateral acceleration bonus, and now provides damage resistance against combatants while airborne. Thoughts? Insert joke about now people have to look up. <laughs> I I haven't seen anything about this. I'm sure people are happy about it, but we'll see how it actually plays in the live game, I suppose. Getting rid of the full class ability energy to benefit from movement bonuses was huge. That was terrible. Because if you were in it a was... PvE situation and you had to dodge, and then all of a sudden your stompies were basically going, oh, no, I'm not going to work the way they're supposed to. Sorry, we don't um, do this anymore. <laughs> it, it really hampered you. Mm -hmm. And it was a change that apparently they couldn't break between PvE and PvP. So mm -hmm. rolling this back is the smart thing to do. Um you know, reducing the acceleration bonus. Yeah, people complain about that because you jump up at the ceiling and bounce off of it going even faster, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you don't want to have that movement going. 
but uh, the provides damage resistance against combatants while airborne. Um, I think this might get removed later. I mean, that's only for PVE. I, I don't know if it's going to be that dramatic, but I guess we won't know until it's in the game. But Yeah, but anytime you step off even a step in this game, because of the environment, you're considered airborne. Mm -hmm. So if you're moving up and down stairs in this, and there's going to be those brief moments where you, you aren't touching anything, you're constantly getting, like, damage resistance. <laughs> well, and I mean, usually I feel like hunters are generally jumping around a lot anyway, so it's going to, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that huge of a deal but if it works it, that way it could it, be a little wild if you're wearing stompies and you dodge is that considered being airborne because you're off the ground during the dodge i feel like i could see this being something that shows up on like the screen for damage resistance during a jump yeah. but we'll see we'll see uh but keep going dude <laughs> Mechaneer's trick sleeves the sidearm damage bonus now persists for five seconds after your shields begin to recharge Sidearm kills extend the damage bonuses duration by three seconds and completely reload your sidearm from reserves. And the damage bonus has been reduced in PvP to compensate for it lasting longer. It is now plus 10% sidearm damage, down from 35%. Um, I can confidently say I've never used these. This is not going to that means nothing to me. I haven't used them either. I have a nice uh, set of them, and I just don't. I've never been arsed to put them on, so. Yeah. Bombardiers now applies 20 slow stacks to enemy players and 40 slow stacks to PvE combatants. Good. Bombardiers were useless for stasis because they weren't slowing enough things quickly. Yeah. Um, Triton Vice. Inc increased Glaive melee damage bonus while surrounded to 100% for both PvE and PvP, up from 30% in PvE and 10% PvP. Um, I don't know when this exotic came out, but I actually it makes me want to get it. <laughs> uh, I think season of the the deep. I I honestly don't know if I have it, but if if I I like that change, it might make me use the hunter a little more because I like glaives. Well, um, imagine, imagine that with the heavy glaive. Yeah, you'd be a a fucking beast. Um, Celestial Nighthawk, Precision Kills now grant super energy ranging from plus 1.5% and 4.5% depending on the target type killed. Yep, so you sit in the back with your, your scout rifle and you pick things off in the head and you get your super back slightly quicker. Cool. Feels like an odd change, but what do I know? Titans! Severance Enclosure, increased size and damage of the explosion. Kills with the exotics explosion will now trigger an additional explosion. I don't know if that's going to be enough to make people use it. I've never used it. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a build that I posted into our Discord at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my Discord, personal Discord, to show BAM. And it used Severance Enclosure for the explosions. It was a void build. And I'm now thinking to go back and look it over with these changes because this might be fun. It's possible. Like the Titan farts and everything explodes. It should 
be enjoyable, I think. Yeah. But we'll see. Peregrine Graves, you now have to be airborne for a brief time before the exotic effects will apply. Damaging champions, tormentors, or mini bosses with a shoulder charge deals further increased damage and refunds your melee energy. Knee to the face! Interesting, interesting change. I wonder how long you have to be airborne, like if it's just like enough, like a quick jump. But I feel like that's what you're doing, anyways. Yeah, um, I guess I guess I want you to actually fly through the air at something and then activate it. You know, not just hop up in the air and then blat and do the Peregrine Grieve damage. Well, and then the the additional damage to champions, tormentors, and mini bosses, um, refunding melee energy, like. That I I I don't know. You'd have to be able to kill these things or be able to get out of there really quick to make even using it on those kind of enemies worth it. Otherwise, you're doing damage and dying. So, but I haven't used Paragon Greaves honestly. I think uh, Shadow Keep was the last time I used them. So, uh, Worm God Caress. The Burning Fist exotic effect has been reworked. It is now a meter that increases with melee kills and finishers and decays over time. The meter is broken up into five sections, which provide escalating melee and glaive damage melee damage bonuses. The upper end of the meter also provides escalating weapon damage bonuses. As the meter decays, it passes back through the earlier tiers rather than deactivating immediately. The meter decays more quickly the more full it is. Um... This is also an exotic that I've never used. <laughs> oh, when they um, changed it all that that long time ago, and they basically just destroyed its usability with yeah. Titan Bonk Hammers, uh, I, I'm not sure this is going to move the needle to get people to put it on again. Yeah. Um, and Ash and Wake. Uh, Fusion, I guess there's that's not the last one. I don't know why I said it like that. Fusion Grenade Impacts now stun Unstoppable Champions. Um, I don't hate this. I have never actually used Ashen Wake. I know there's been some decent builds with it um, in the past. This has me a little bit curious, and I'm either going to test it out or see if some fun builds come out with it once the season drops. They are kind of ugly, though. Syntheseps! While we wanted to bring this gen the generic melee bonus down a bit to give space for other more specialized melee exotics to shine in their specific niches, we felt it was safe to bring Syntheseps Glaive melee bonus back up to a substantial amount. We have also swapped the increased melee lunge range to increase weapon handling and reload speed. So remove the extended melee lunge distance. Now improves weapon handling and reload speed while surrounded. Reduce the PvE surrounded melee damage bonus to 165%, down from 200%, and increase glaive melee bonus to what plus 100% from 50%. Um, I mean, all in all, I feel like that's not terrible changes. Um, I do feel like one of the bigger reasons that people like to use these was that extra lunge. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I haven't used these in a long time, so I don't know how they feel, but this, this, I don't know. I like the glaive changes. So like, again, uh, even with like the hunter exotic, like it might make me put it on to see how, uh, glaives mm -hmm. feel. Um, but 
removing that melee lunge is I feel like that's a, a more drastic change than adding the increased melee bonuses just because of that. Uh, last one for the Titans, Precious Scars. Kills with weapons matching your subclass now apply Restoration Tier 1 for 1.5 seconds in PvP and 3 seconds in PvE. Um, is Precious Scars, that's the helmet that gives you an overshield for you yep. and someone you revive? Yeah. That's it. Um, I don't know. That could that could be kind of worthwhile. Um, I I really do feel like the the exotic itself has a pretty like niche playstyle. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna. Like, it's not gonna be enough to move the needle for me. But who knows? Some people what? that use this might love it. What I, I would throw it on a uh, banner of War Titan with the changes that they've just done, and run around with a uh, strand sword which we got last season that you can craft. Nah. Nah. I, I, I can I can see lots of uh, restoration and stuff kind of making up the difference, but that's just me. Because that, I'm only thinking PvE. Yeah. And Warlocks. The Balladors Wrathweavers. Now when you cast a, cast a Frost Pulse Rift, nearby allies gain a Tier 2 Stasis Surge weapon bonus for 10 seconds in PvE and 5 seconds in PvP. They also gain 50, a 50 hit point overshield. And the Stasis Damage Bonus provided to allies by the Winter's Wrath Shockwave is now the Tier 4 Stasis Surge Weapon Bonus. When your Winter's Wrath ends, you gain the Tier 4 Stasis Surge Weapon Bonus as well. I don't know what these are. <laughs> They're um, I, I don't know what this did before, but that sounds pretty solid, especially for... Um, Allies using stasis weapons. Um, Apotheosis Veil. Casting your super now grants cure tier 3 for you and nearby allies. After your super ends, you now temporarily gain greatly increased melee and grenade regen for 8 seconds. Interesting. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Fell Winter's Helm. Move the size of the weakening burst and duration of weaken up one tier against all targets, except for finishers against bosses, which retains the maximum size and duration. I kind of forgot this helmet existed. <laughs> I I feel like it's it. This got nerfed once before, did it not? Yes. Or did something something got changed? I can't remember. I'm um, pretty sure it got nerfed before. So I guess we'll see what this does to it, but I don't think that's... I, I feel like that could be a good change by moving it up one tier against everybody. Um, but I don't know how strong it is now. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Karnstein Armlets. Melee kills now grant Cure Tier 3 and Restoration Tier 1 for 8 seconds. And Finishers now grant Cure Tier 3 and Restoration Tier, tier 2 for 8 seconds. Um, much better. I think that that could be a better change. 
Yeah. Can't remember what these already do. Uh, when you punch something to death, you got some health back. Okay. They were pretty basic. You know. Um, and some big uh, ones yeah. here. Yeah. The Aeon Cult. Aeon Swift, Safe, and Soul Exotic Armor all received the following changes to their Sect mods. Sect of Force. This has been reworked to be all about providing your allies significant bonus weapon damage against powerful combatants. The bonus grenade and melee energy has been moved to, to be the special benefit granted to Aeon Cult allies using a different sect. Rapid precision hits provide quicker reload and weapon swap speeds, and the bonus now lasts for 10 seconds, up from 6. No longer grants bonus melee grenade or super energy on stunning a champion or defeating a boss or mini-boss. Instead, <clears throat> Stunning a champion or rapid precision hits against champions, elites, or mini-bosses will mark them for your allies. Allies deal 20% more damage to marked targets. When a target is first marked, nearby Aeon Cult allies who do not have the Sect of Force rule equipped gain grenade and melee energy. Sure. Um, Sect of Insight. Sect of Insight had a strong role in endgame PvE teams, and we won't. we don't want to change that. The one modification we want to make is changing the Ancult Ally bonus to be Super Energy instead of Weapon Damage. As we want Sector Force to be the source of weapon bonuses. Uh, nearby Ancult Allies who do not have the Sector Insight role equipped no longer gain a bonus to weapon damage for a short time as then they gain a burst of Super Energy. And lastly, Sect of Vigor. Sect of Vigor already had a strong theme in the supporting role in the Aeon Cult. We wanted to boost its effectiveness by having it provide damage resistance in PvE in addition to its class ability benefits. Our goal to make Sect of Vigor players shepherds for their team, keeping their allies near to protect them from harm. Now provides damage resistance against combatants when an ally dies or is resurrected. In addition to the existing class ability energy, when you cast your super, nearby allies no longer gain an instant burst of healing or an overshield. Instead, nearby critically wounded allies gain damage resistance from combatants as long as they stay near you. Okay. Nearby and cult allies who do not have the Sect of Vigor will equipped will also recover class ability energy more quickly. Those are all the changes for exotic armor wit that will be available the moment the Season of the Witch launches. As always, let us know how you feel about these, try them in your favorite activities, and keep that precious feedback coming. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna level with you. I have never used any of the Aeon gloves, and I don't think this is gonna be much to make me <laughs> also put them on, so. Which one generates um, heavy ammo when uh finishing a champion because that's all that matters i feel like that's the one that everybody uses and even then it's like one person that uses it <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes it's special ammo other times it's most of the time it's heavy ammo especially in grandmaster nightfalls all the rest of this stuff is not going to move the needle at all yeah making me want to try them out put them on uh because none of these things are going to synergize with anything that i need yeah. And will not take up a exotic armor spot for me. So mm -hmm. sorry. Uh now we have the mod armor mod changes. 
Uh, says, in addition to the exotic changes listed above, we're also adjusting several armor mods. To reiterate what was touched on in the gameplay section, the high potential power output of abilities means they need to have proportional uptime and require meaningful and sometimes difficult, with an exclamation point, build crafting <laughs> choices. Currently, the high watermark for ability uptime is higher than we'd like. Uh, sorry, I like using my abilities. Uh, in order for us to hit our broader goals of reigning in ability energy resources across the sandbox, we need to reduce the amount of energy fed into the energy economy via armor mods. So, heavy-handed firepower and reaper. These now have a 10-second cooldown on generating an orb of power. Reaper also requires a kill to be secured within 10 seconds of using your class ability. Oops. Melee Kickstart, Grenade Kickstart, and Utility Kickstart now provides between 16% and 45% ability energy and requires at least a single armor charge to be consumed. Um, the confusion on these things was that you never needed an armor charge at first mm -hmm. to use these things. You always got a fragment back, but when you had armor charges, you would get stuff back. Now it looks like you have to have an armor charge for them to be effective at all. Yeah, uh, which you can generate armor charges pretty quickly, I think. Uh, momentum transfer, bolstering detonation, impact induction, and focusing strike. They now provide a 12%, 17%, and 20% ability energy for 1, 2, and 3 stacks respectively as required and require a powered melee attack. So um, for the more copies of this that you have, you can get up, if you have three copies of it, you can get up to 20% ability energy back when you use a powered melee attack. Or if you only have one, it's 12%. Mm -hmm. Outreach and Bomber now provides the same thing as the previous thing with now needing a, uh, this is a 12, 17, 20% ability for one, two, and three stacks respectively. It doesn't say it requires a, a grenade charge to use. It just says that. Mm -hmm. uh, outreach bomber and distribution, same thing. But distribution now does 4, 6, and 7% ability energy. It says energy what? provided is further reduced based on the cooldown of the class ability used with the shortest cooldowns reducing it by 60%. We believe these changes will help return some meaningful choice to both ability usage and armor change, armor charge system while still allowing each armor mod to provide a valuable effect. Why did they have to list Outreach and Bomber twice? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I also, think distribution should have been its own thing, but, you know. Um, so the Kickstart mods, I, I don't understand, like... So that between 16 and 45% ability energy, I'm assuming that just means based on how many armor charges are consumed? That's what I'm thinking, because typically you can have up to, what, three? I think so three I think... base, I think you can have max of, what, five, six? I think so. But it, if you have your max of three, if you just have your three, and you have a kickstart, and you use it, you get back less than half mm -hmm. of that ability. Um, I, I don't know. I don't dig these things. 
I really don't like that, oh, Reaper now requires you to kill something within 10 seconds of using your class ability. I, I, I'm not fond of that. Because Reaper, you use your class ability, and then when you got a kill, it would generate. You know, it didn't have to be within a certain time period. I'm, I'm not too fond of that. Because Reaper also takes three points to equip it onto a your uh, was a class item, I think. Is it three? Wow. Yeah, it's Reaper's three. And so that that takes up you know a chunk, but the I don't I don't really like the time on it. Uh, uh, it right. Does does Reaper? Can you have multiple and have the orbs be more potent? I don't remember. I'll be very frank with you on that. I don't remember. I only use one Reaper. Because as a hunter, I'm dodging more frequently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, oh, I can get a kill, generate an orb, get a kill, generate an orb, you know. I, I pr produce a feedback loop, which apparently that is now forbidden without extended delays in between them. As for how long these delays are going to be, I won't know until Tuesday. And yeah. I'm playing around with it. But I'll be very frank that none of these changes on paper make me actually really want to seriously play. Yeah. And um, there are other games out there that I'd much rather play. Yeah. I, I don't think that upper management have fully grasped uh, how little I... I want to involve myself with this game after the shenanigans they've been pulling for all this mm -hmm. time. You know, I, I know we're trying to focus on this shit, but it unfortunately is always going to be the specter for me now. It's like in the past, we would call this a bandaid rip and we would be cool with it. And now I'm just like, I just, don't believe your rationale any longer for why you need to do these changes. Um, because I, I find hearing, oh, we're bringing difficulty back into the game. And their idea of difficulty to start is to make things monumentally beefier with hit points mm. um, without changing the tactics of the enemies themselves, mind you. Just add more hit points to something add more one-shot kills to you. Oh, and now we're going to nerf your ability. Yeah. In a space power fantasy game. Okay. Yeah. And some of these changes feel like they should be meant for, like, the expansion that is now potentially seven months away after the season drops. So we'll find out hopefully in the next few weeks, very shortly, yeah, what the deal so. is because they did promise that we would hear about what their future plans are, but they never said when. Mm -hmm. uh, my fear is they're going to wait till after Christmas break where they break for a month and then come back mid January. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's hit the fire team finder quick. After almost two oh. years of hard work, we will start Fireteam Finder's beta test shortly after Season of the Wish launches. Starting on November 30th, players will have access to the first public raids stress test 
of the new group finding tool while we gather data to help gather, get things working smoothly. This first test will focus only on raids. Be aware that this is one of the most ambitious launches we've had for Destiny in a long time. So please be patient, share with us all your feedback so we can work the gremlins out of the system. Our goal with this launch is clear to ensure Fireteam Finder scales properly for millions of players and to deliver a world-class LFG tool for all activities in the near future. We have a lot more to share about this in the article dedicated to the Fireteam Finder. Go, so go check it out. Um, uh, basically, in that article, it said that either they were going to open it up and make us play a beta version of it so mm -hmm. we could test it and try to get more information to them, or they were going to have to keep delaying it. Yeah, I am imagining delays. We'll see. And an update to the cutscene archive. They added more to the stuff. Uh, I think it was the day this came out. So, what, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Um, I did go through and just just because I, I went through and watched it and there's like a video itself that's almost an hour long that I watched. It's the yeah, Light and Darkness Saga story moments. Um, some of it was from D1, some of it was from D2. There's a lot of stuff that they don't include. Um, and we're we're done with season of the witch going into season of the wish, and I don't know how long the video's been sitting ready to go, but it still has uh, season of the witch and wish as redacted. <laughs> so I imagine it's been done for a while, and they're just getting out to us. So nothing special there. There's a lot of stuff not in there. That's that's all that is. Yep. And that's all we got because that super was terrific enough. fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, regardless of my sourpuss behavior, uh, we won't know until we're playing it in a few days. Hell, I don't even know if I'm going to play it that first week. I might just boot it up to see what's going on, and that's about it. I think offhandedly, I mentioned to a friend of mine that the most I'm going to do this season is. Get my Star Baker title, which I don't have. So then oh. I can get the Reveler title. Yeah, I, I totally skipped last winter's season, which was the season of the Seraph. I never did it. Mm -hmm. I braked for the entirety of that season. That's why I just got Revision Zero this season. Oh, that's right. That, yeah. So I didn't do it. And I, I still find it funny that both times I've taken... Uh, an entire season off have been both times that Rasputin was the main focus. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was you the, just, uh, the warm on You itself. just really don't like Rasputin. You son of a... <laughs> no, I, I just reached a burnout point at that, at that moment. That's it. And it just like fell into it. And yeah, most of my goals are get the Star Baker thing and yeah. run the new dungeon and pray to God that it's nothing like Ghost of the Deep. Because if it's another Ghost of the Deep, I think I will cry. What it's going to be is just a revamped Shattered Throne. We still have to, we, we have to kill Dull and Karu again. It's going to be so fun. And on that note... <laughs> Stop by uh, Spotify for Podcasts at the Hidden Guardians Podcast. Give us a like. Yeah. <laughs> Dig this stuff or link trees there if you oh, want to like email us and yell at Venge for making that horrible fucking 
prediction that <laughs> might actually happen this week. Remember that the dungeon will be out this coming Friday um, at reset. So hopefully you're all bounty prep. Uh, I've I've done no bounty prepping. I don't care. I'll I'll run the dungeon either way. I I just don't care. It's not worth it. It's it's absolutely not worth it. There's no reason to hoard bounties unless you're some like YouTuber, Twitch streamer, content creator that is going to be like you know solo or doing low man content nonstop, and you need to start off strong for the season. Yeah. Um. Next week is the start of the new season. We'll see what uh, brings us. I am hoping we get news regarding the final shape and what's going on with that, that they don't wait around and they do it. Uh, but, you know, we'll go from there and just see what lies. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Be well, everybody. Take care and bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's your third puberty, apparently. <laughs>